Good afternoon, everybody. It is 5.08 p.m. Uh, Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, at least in the Eastern time zone. My name is Max Cohen. Uh, I'll be your host for the Mocha Live podcast this week. Joining me as he does every week, the founder of the Museum of Crypto Art, Colborn Bell, who is in Paris. Hi, Colborn from Paris. Hello. It's wonderful to be here. Glad I could make it. And then we have a very special guest this week. Uh, we're super excited to have her on, one of CryptoArt's most prolific uh, photographers, artists in general, collectors, uh, Giselle Flores. Thank you so much for joining us. Nice to be here. How you doing? Doing good. In the middle, in the middle of like everything, I have a new puppy, mm. <laughs> and it's like so cute. It just turned two months, and um, so yeah, I, I'm like learning again <laughs> we do welcome all ambient pet sounds by the way usually Coborn has a couple <laughs> of cats that are screeching or fighting or doing something in the background i hope he comes that would be so cute um it's a big poop ball excellent yeah so giselle um among the many accolades and accomplishments um that you can that you have to your name uh you were the very first owner of the very first mocha floor back i think like a year ago uh, this month, I think it was like February 8th, that first uh, auction went up where you won the first Mocha floor. So um, when we spoke, you know, it was just kind of this amorphous floor token, right? That would one day be redeemed for a Mocha room, like an actual one of one, you know, metaverse museum. And it's recently been created. I believe it's in your collection. It's called Sigma, handcrafted by Untitled XYZ. So what's it like after, you know, a year to finally have kind of a, a one of one bespoke crypto art gallery in your uh in your wheelhouse it's beautiful it's really wonderful to have this uh virtual spot where i can just walk in and see see it all and and uh be able to i love the interoperability interoper of this piece of where you can see it through different metaverses i'm i'm excited to launch it to to put the pieces together to get the first show i have really beautiful pieces in mind uh, from my collection that I'm going to be showcasing. Uh, female women uh, creators for the most part and really amazing uh, forward thinkers in the space and mm -hmm. uh, setters of their own boundaries and, you know, reaching the stars that they create. So it's a, uh, it's, really awesome to have a space to showcase that first of all for the first piece the first show um mm. as i work with my moon language I, I i'm so entrenched with it right now uh, mm -hmm. so it's really awesome to give space and give light to new creators to people uh, creators new creators that are being seen in this space that many of these creators are so uh centered in 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 what they want to make already you know like life life decisions and, and future um mid-career i feel like creators there's a lot that have been entering the space that are really amazing uh from mm -hmm. creative coding to you know these virtual worlds to generative uh, i find myself really resonating with the generative artists uh sure computer code generative is a really beautiful new way to see the world like to un to understand it because i had never known about it before mm -hmm. um I, I really resonate with everything i've ever done creatively uh the generative aspect of the manual generative uh 
is in my work from the start, from the beginning. Uh, the, the way that our nature and our physics of our universe work um, mm -hmm. is fascinating to me. Um, but collecting each artist's remnants of their, of their art is a beautiful way to see different trails that are, that are all being created all at the same time. Like we can celebrate mm -hmm. so many new aspects of creation that we could never access before because it had to be so mainstream media, you know. Now we have Absolutely. our little groups and you can really cater your feeds and like learn about artists that resonate with each other and are really taking things to new limits. You know, it's funny that hearing you just talk about all these different kinds of aesthetics, when I go through all the essays that I wrote about the pieces in the museum, you know, I wrote them chronologically, um, which also happens to be alphabetically. But as I go through them, I can see my um, like associations with these different art forms kind of becoming more advanced at the very beginning. You, I can feel this kind of tepidness or a, um, a reservation about generative art and AI art and um, certain kinds of photography. And then as you know, I read these essays again and again through the collection, I start to settle in, right? And I just think exposure to these pieces is so important, right? And seeing them in like a curational context so I guess I'm wondering, um, you know, when you're curating an exhibition or when you're thinking about curating, you know, a first exhibition in Sigma, your room, like what are the sensibilities that drive you? It's going to be, it's going to be what resonates in this room together. Cause I really want it to feel right. And it's going to be working with different concepts on, on each piece and seeing how they can work together. Like sometimes you can really find a clever way to, display certain pieces that are, can be completely different, but really resonate a certain thread. Um, one, one example, um, as far as a, a group of pieces that I collected uh, during the Tezos women's uh, days, like certain days where it's just like we're all collecting all at the same time and they do this like Tez for Tez and different things. Um, mm -hmm. There's been some wonderful community uh, guidance almost that you see people, what they have in their wallets. And, and I can find, I've found such beautiful things together that I can't wait to display uh, in this, in this new world. Sure. And, and Colborne, I guess I'm curious for you as well. Like when you're curating you know, a room exhibition, do you find yourself more motivated by aesthetic cohesiveness or context of the artists? Oh boy. I mean, it's, it's a really good question. I, I, uh, I'll tell you what I definitely don't look to do is like curate by, you know, like, and I think a lot of people do this, it's just financial value, right? Just like stuff the most valuable things in there. I think it has to be, like Giselle said, like interesting and dynamic and diverse and speak to uh, the interrelation between like each other and the concepts being presented and tension um, as opposed to like what is already known and, and presented, you know, I want mm -hmm. to kind of draw, maybe draw people's attention into a place with maybe some more catchy names, but also get them to discover something that they haven't before and have it be so stunning that they want to kind of like dive deeper and understand more and, and get to learn about things and places and people that, that they hadn't. Giselle, I, I, we hear this word like the curator, right. Or, um, like the curatorial nature of crypto art. I mean, I feel like it's this buzzword that's constantly floating around, but I'm wondering 
do you think that there's responsibility that lies on the hands of the curator or on the part of the curator? And like, what do you think that is? I think it depends on the on on everybody's definition of curator at the time, mm -hmm. you know, of the moment, because it seems to be such a varied take on what people can assume is curatorial. But as far as a show and a, and having a space of different, a mix of artists, a group show of different people, it's really wonderful when the show transcends and does have a message beyond uh, each individual view of the artists shown. Um, and it's really beautiful to have it as a context based on a historical trend or thread that is could be expanded on now. Like um, personally, photography, I've been having so much fun seeing the new different types of photography coming into the scene uh, as far as like pushing all different types, even cyanotypes can kind of get to this really beautiful aesthetic uh, minimalism uh, mm -hmm. to, to seeing uh, like different tin types. And, you know, it's like, there's all kinds of uh, experimentation going on and, uh, and mm -hmm. like a resurgence of the traditional mediums and the traditional manual choices that we had with cameras of the past uh, seen through a digital eye now, like seen through mm -hmm. a, a digital perspective now where you can see feedback right away. Like you don't have to wait weeks for a film to be developed. You don't have to wait for, um, you know, how it used to be. <laughs> so expensive mm -hmm. per shot if you want four by five film or, or, you know, anything else, like how I used to shoot a long time ago. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of having uh, a curation uh, go past that and, and have a room where the pieces can converse to each other and then the participants, the viewers, are adding another la layer and con context based on where they come from and how they view these pieces too. So it should be able to speak to itself and also speak to the rest of the world and now virtually to the whole world. Well, I think our collecting, like the sensibilities we use when collecting in the first place is also a kind of curational like sensibility, it, it, you know, even if it's underlying, right, or something kind of subconscious. Do you think that your more conscious or overt curatorial sensibilities will or have differed from your kind of general ethos when collecting? I so I'm very much just collect by heart. I, I really like at the time I look at what I have and see if I can afford it. And let's like, mm -hmm. if I can at the time, awesome. And uh, it's, it's a weird, it's, it's tricky. Cause I could, I love so much collecting. It's so mm -hmm. fun. <laughs> it's yeah. so fun to be able to support these people that are creating yeah. in all different ways and all different cultures and uh, being part of monogramma, like making, you know, protection totems for like lands that are seen in VR, you know, you can trigger them on the actual land and see these protectors around the barrier, you know, uh, of wild land, like uh, tribal lands. So it's <laughs> um, the, the possibilities of, of um, intermixing this AR, VR, interworld uh, potential future uh, virtual socialization uh, communication that we've created now we're just seeing little bits uh, scratching the surface I, I don't we're it's it's a fun journey I I mean I, I think we should definitely 
Shout out Hervé and the work that Monogramma is doing. Somebody, again, that was incredibly early, very passionate, found such like a unique and novel use case for NFTs and the work that they were doing and incorporating indigenous communities and like the protection of, of sacred lands. It's that is really powerful and important work. It blew my mind. And I've been able to like reach out to different, uh, I guess you eventually, if people see through my wallet, they know who I collect or my vault and, and uh, you can kind of see the mix. It's really fun. Some of the stuff is all junk. I mean, man, people love winner. Like <laughs> so much stuff gets sent. That's silly. Uh, but but the Cheech and Chong is there. That's fun. That's like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to both of you in general, how much of your collection sensibilities are spread between, I guess, what you would see as like, I don't know, real serious art and I don't know, more kind of playful, less serious, like more meme or like comedic in effect art, like momentary stuff. What was, what about it? What, like, what do you want me to say about like, there's, yeah, there's so many variations of, mm -hmm. uh, of artworks and collectibles and like trading cards even. And yeah, I mean, I guess like, what do you find yourself drawn to in any particular moment? Are there like periods of time where you feel yourself drawn to more kind of like Mimi collectible things and then moments <sighs> where you kind of settle back into feeling more of an affinity for again quote-unquote big quote-unquote like serious artwork oh no um i feel i i really have so much respect for the rare papers and and the uh -huh. way that that whole world developed um i find it uh interesting the conversations that keep changing with this with the ordinals and all, <laughs> uh -huh. all the other on all the other opinions on these sides um, I had really a fun, you know, as a kid, I, I really collected baseball cards, uh, and, mm. and holographic ones were my favorites. So, um, mm. this, I, I love shiny things that move like, you know, Neurocolor or Sarah, like, mm. I mean, it's, great. it's just like, some things are just so delicious that I, I'm like, I really want that for my visual collection like i don't know I, there's something about what it does to me like as far as um the pixels you know i feel like x copy has everybody in a trance you know it's like mm -hmm. it, it is it's it's the way he got that particle gif so beautiful at the, in the beginning so i don't know that that's my take on it but it's having it uh go wild you know everybody getting their ways of trending and like mm -hmm. uh finding fire, you know, everybody with the open editions, you know, there's always like, it's interesting how the, there's always a, a scene and, and a trend and mm -hmm. we're just riding these waves of strange investments that come from different places. I don't know. It seems like, so there's kind of all kinds of <laughs> spaces and, and groups of traders or collectors versus Mimi jokes like our new communication is like through Mimi. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it seems like a like a lot of things you can only say through memes. Um, I don't know. It's it's just a new development for all of us. I think we're all just learning new ways to communicate. Yeah, so, I mean that reminds yeah. me of um, Colborn's ethos about trash art, right? You know, so momentary, right? Where me memes have so much background noise, like involved in them. Right. They yeah. carry with them 
references to moments, places, former memes, people, times, right? And they're so like dateable. They're complex. And it's really fun to see the, the ways that they develop mm-hmm. through each other. Like one will be copied and then that one will be copied and layered on and that will be copied. It's a really communal language. Yeah, um, absolutely. Half graffiti almost, I feel like in a way. It's like, it's really fun like that graphic art i think something that i've been talking with a lot of people about is 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 this just like art for the timeline and you know i go back and look at a lot of my collection and it is this it's just like a lot of bright colors it's a lot of glitchy things i think it's certainly recognition that like times are changing and this is very perhaps like anti-institution and anti-authority and telling people like what is good and more just like what is so overwhelmingly visual or powerful or capturing. Um, And maybe that is what just like got me excited, what got me reinvigorated, what got me into this. And now maybe I see something that is perhaps a little deeper, more intentional because we kind of like ran the gambit. It almost feels like of all of this memetics. I mean, how many, you know, things now have fake rares right mm-hmm. everybody just kind of took the idea of like memeing their project and now it's like 6529 and osf and like and then like fake fake rares you know and it's almost gotten to the point well we're well, like this this has to come full circle we can't just like meme everything into oblivion we actually have to return to people that are working with intent and depth and like not making art for the timeline and like support real interrogation and questioning because in the beginning when there was like such high culture and idealism and like almost utopian beliefs of what this could be well it's come full circle until like this like rat race degeneracy to the bottom and i think of course the art reflects that that you know that's why i spend most of my time with the girls of the verse verse or you know checking out vertical crypto art and uh there's beautiful conversations going on and through the generative, through the coders, through the like poetic written arts. Uh, there's so many interesting conversations to plug into. I mean, it's just like, I feel like what people used to think of entertainment is changing so much to where everybody's going to be, I don't know. I love intaking art. Maybe it's just cause I'm a bias because I'm an artist. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would spend my life, I, I could spend my life being so surprised by people. It's really fun. And, and like uh, seeing it in my own world and like being able to explore it for myself has been, oh, it's been so great. Like the last year shooting Moon Language has been wonderful. Like it, it shines on me all the time when it's out. Now it's a new moon, you know, new moons are not. But otherwise, it's like through my window, it wakes me up. It's like always there. Uh, it's such mm-hmm. a great friend to always have. <laughs> I think this is a really great point that you both are making, but I think it also is so inflected by Twitter itself and the fact that this whole movement has, you know, has been said a million times. It all takes place on Twitter. And Giselle, when you were telling me about Moon Language, the first thing you did was invite me to your Telegram and your Discord, right? And even just hearing you talk now about, you know, you spend your time with the first first people. It's probably not on Twitter. That's probably in this more kind of personal medium. Right. If we're on Twitter, we're always going to be performing to some extent. Right. 
Yeah, I, I just, you know, seeing their, their websites constantly changing, they're always doing things. Uh, it's just really fun to hear the different uh, developments going on. Um, and and having having that, you know, extra little nuance. Like, I, I was really inspired by the asymmetric artists, the ones, like, making these visuals that look like they're written and look like they're ancient, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, being able to kind of develop that in my own personal way and th- seeing how do I make a language with something I have no idea how to speak to, you know, but I feel like I speak to it every day. So how do you um, translate that? Uh, mm-hmm. And seeing this and, and also, you know, plugging into this whole scene, it's just, it's a lot of elements all at once, but they all, benefit each other they all like accentuate uh and help the thoughts through like because linking this on chain like learning you know how do i really want to present this how does it speak long term you know what does that mean in this space that's so fast like i want to be the opposite of that of the kind of pump and dump schemes you know like i i want the person that can connect to these things really long-term, like in a different way. What would, how do we bring experience to the collectors of our pieces? This is something I've, that's been going on in my heads um, because I'm, because I'm forming this collection and it's like, I want to release them, but they're like the little babies, just like people say about their songs, you know, it, it's uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot to give out. <laughs> And I want to be here, and 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 Telegram right now is a beautiful way to keep it together, at least a little bit for now. And I can check in. It's very no commitment. Nobody has to say anything. You can, <laughs> it's but it's also an, it's so much more personal, right? Because you're there, and you're not just there like on Twitter where everyone's there, right? People are there with you in these Telegrams and like the discords that I'm in for, for specific artists, right? It just feels so much more personal and the conversations are so much more freewheeling and less performative because they just kind of disappear. And I, I think a more fundamental way than Twitter where the, yes, they disappear, but they're always, there's always a record of them. Right. And they're always kind of um, able to be brought back up. So you have to make sure that you're kind of, saying exactly what you mean to be saying because it's not just a, a freewheeling conversation um in in the discourse in the, the telegram for moon language I, I i see these pieces in the comments on them that are just it's just people saying hi it's just people being themselves yeah. it's you po- kind of posting artwork non-committally uh, and i think that that's really wonderful because that is the antithesis of what's on twitter right you put a piece on twitter it can't be half done because who knows where it's going to go yeah, I live with my art really long before I give it away, uh, before mm. I let people see it, mm. before I let eyes glue on to it. Like, yeah, uh-huh. no. I, uh, by the time I show it, it's, it's just lived for a while. And that, that was uh, something I, I'd read recently with the Tyler Hobbs uh, article that he wrote. Uh, something of these these advice advice to artists by Tyler Hobbs. Check out his website. I thought it was great advice because the Twitter can be tricky. And I think, you know, in the beginning, when I started in this space around 2019, seeing all these ups and downs and swings and stuff, there's so much advice that really needs to be given to new people in the space that want to experience art in this new way and be able to plug in the same way that I feel like I've been able to catering, you know, the things that you want to see 
or the things that you're interested in make that your community because it's like we're here supporting each other but also like here to kind of have a communal conversation uh visually mm -hmm. to me so where did uh where did moon language come from um in terms of just your ideation of it, you know, moons have a, have a huge, I guess, legacy within crypto art, whether that's like Matt Cain's gazers or um, Yasnier's, um, you know, pictures of the moon. Um, it seems like there is this kind of emerging dialogue between different artists concerning, right, the cycles of the moon. And I, you know, there's very, I think, appropriate analogs we can make to crypto art itself. Like you said, you know, these things come in waves and these waves are are different, but they're all intensely recognizable time after time, almost predictable. So I'm wondering, you know, what first caught your eye about the moon? What, like, where did that idea first like grab hold of you? We are water. We are water. And uh, I'm really not surprised that it's, that it's become a center of attention in a way. Mm -hmm. um, it, it affects all we do. And I don't know, but for me, I went through really big changes the last few years. Uh, mm -hmm. The moon literally follows me the last few years and mm -hmm. um, working with the camera using light as my subject the last few years. Only, you know, before I was doing still life, before I did crypto art, I was uh, product photography and like really experimental in that way, like always looking to the physics, the explosions, the the dramatic, the fire, the the ice, the mm -hmm. explosions. Like I did a lot of paint flying everywhere. The the drama of our of the of the random of our universe, but it's not random. Like that's the that's the beautiful nature that I I've constantly went for as a child. I painted um oil painted as a kid and mm -hmm. they had this painting of, of Adams actually it was a National Geographic I was about 13 and I did this oil painting it was one of my last few oil paintings before I went off to college and it was one of my favorite and it had the black background and it felt like space and I put a star like a, a star composed with the atoms and these lines and I found this like after I had already been taking some of these, uh, like now it had already been a, a year has passed now of shooting it. So I was already thinking about it two years ago. I was obsessed with Matt Cain's thing too. I love the programming nature of like this mm -hmm. living in with this NFT that lives on forever. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do a way where it can be emotionally living forever with you. It's not programmed emotion, but I have a different way to access these things and the art that I speak is is very different from many others so um, I find strength through finding my way to translate what generative can be that's not mm -hmm. computer generated but physically generated and and the variation that is possible through just a camera not a telescope mm -hmm. not fancy equipment um, I really wanted to challenge this photography I'm always questioning, am I a photographer? Not really. I, I'm like, I'm an artist first. Like, I, But I really love the camera. And the camera is like this complex being that I feel is being, um, is, di is dying in a lot of ways, but living on through mm. our camera, which has an AI lens now. You know, it's going to be picking everything for you. And I think it's so important to be able to spread the message that 
we really need to focus on how we want to shoot these pictures, how we want to have a vision that's completely different from others and how to mm -hmm. keep expanding this medium and not just falling into what is the perfect exposure for this scene. Um, thank you very much. So, you know, I, I'm doing like, I, I'm putting a video camera, slow motion video on a four by, like on my four by five, like mm -hmm. getting, I have beautiful videos that ended up on ephemera and like NFTs and ephemera, which was like, they were focusing on photography and video, but I, you know, I'm, it's a little crickets now in certain platforms. So, but the NFTs are there and what do you do? I, I still have the beautiful art. So I don't know, you know, that it's like such a world of making mistakes and, and flying through. And I think we need to normalize mistakes. Who was it that said that? Was it Claire? I feel like somebody just said that on Twitter and it's like, please, <laughs> Mikol. I think it was Mikol. Uh, mm -hmm. Anyways, so that's that's where I'm at right now. I think I think uh, the language needs to continue speaking and there's different ways to express that and different ways yeah. to show that and there's so many audiences out there that i think can resonate with many different ways of seeing mm -hmm. i think that that fear of mistakes comes back to twitter as well too right as soon as something exists in the public eye right the full public eye for the first time people are going to make judgments on it and make judgments about you based on it and you know what it's like so time-based like the judgments mm -hmm. last for a few weeks maybe mm -hmm. people remember it's so weird like it's it, the space in general for seeing others, how they like go through stuff. It's like, wow, but you know, my name's attached. Like everything I do is so genuine. Like I really try hard to like share the love and I, I find anything I find exciting. I try to reshare and like be part of, you know? So I, yeah. I think it's, I think conversation is the main thing and the most beautiful thing we've opened up between each other. Mm -hmm. So, you told me um, in our interview last year uh, a quote that I really loved at the time, which has kind of stuck with me. Uh, you said, uh, a lot of my journey is navigating my inner compass through a landscape of outer impermanence. Something that's always been me with an artist is the macrocosm within the microcosm. And, mm -hmm. and I think about that a lot, and it just comes back and forth in my head. And I'm wondering how Moon Language accomplishes that or, or forwards that notion. Or is it like a new paradigm altogether That's for you? That's actually great. Uh, the impermanence does come through in this collection because what it's accessing is that capture. And there's a lot that happens in it. Uh, the collection started for me, Moon Language. When I started getting these pictures, I started realizing the variation that I could get as I find these dance moves with this camera shooting the aperture, the shutter, the thun, it's like the focus, the like absolutely every thing I can change on this camera at every moment. I had two lenses. I think I, I think it's, I, I'm going through all the metadata. It's going to be really intricate uh, mm -hmm. collection with all of that like data, when it was taken, what access, what was going on in the sky at that time. When I felt Moon Language was really solidifying as a collection, I was like, it's like looking at the moon through your, my contacts, because I, I wear contacts most of the time, but if you're crying and looking at the moon and accessing the look, 
my contacts can like start wavering and you see the moon dancing with my contacts. Like if like I rotate my contacts sometimes and you look at the moon and it dances in the same way as this collection does. And it's like, if you have tears in your eyes and you're gazing at this thing, it's like you connect with it. You connect, it's not a thing. It's like our universe is being like, like it's just these things are, our oceans, like everything we are, what we are made of is like resonant with this as we, as every day passes. Um, this is what I want to translate to these pieces within like the, the different ways that the moon is seen or perceived in each. Uh, mm-hmm. Some might be very like, some might be glowing. Some might be very noisy, like red, like, interference some are like laced with other transmissions of other lights because you're like looking at the moon and you feel all these things sometimes and sometimes it's like the only one who will listen the only one who will hear you you know or like under like understand or at least you feel like a little presence of calm at least i do I want to be able to translate that in a digital way which is the opposite of feeling you know the numbers numbers as we're talking even this is more emotional because you can hear my voice and you see yeah i i I think it's so difficult for individual artists honestly to achieve aims like that when the dominant medium of actually seeing these artworks is is twitter and in these wallets right i think that's what gets my goat so much about rooms or you know i've expounded on the virtues of you know metaverse environments so much but you know, being especially in VR and looking at a piece like one of your moon language pieces in a setting in which you know it can really achieve, I think, kind of its maximum effect as opposed to being in the dark blue box on Twitter is so profound. Uh, have you thought about like using like rooms for like moon language itself to try and kind of capture that fullest effect? Absolutely. I think during launch we're gonna it's going to be, it's going to be that as well. Mm. Uh, either this, either I end up getting a new room or not. We'll mm-hmm. see at the time. And if it can fund another room, that would be wild to have a moon language. Yeah. With mm-hmm. actually to be able to hold the whole, how, what's the biggest room you can get? 420. 420. Have we seen a 420 drop though? Yeah. Yeah. It Remember that one? That was the one that broke the record. Sold for like thirteen oh, yeah. ETH, and then I had to do oh, wow. Edward Forty hands. Oh yeah, I do remember that. It would probably be a curated selection. Uh, no, there is sound coming, so there, there. It's very, it's resonant in different ways, and I have so many um, things I want to talk about, but only want to talk about it if I really know, you know, mm-hmm. how it's going to happen. So I can't really let out too many things, but that's why I say go on my Telegram because I feel like. When yeah, I can sure. share things, and there's a few things in there, I, I, if you really want to find out some things, you can go there and, and kind of see where I'm headed for the future. Performances or experiences uh, mm-hmm. with Moon Languages premiere as it happens, hopefully in a few months. So you were talking about Xcopy before. Um, yeah. And how, and that kind of assortment of pixels like forces you to kind of pay attention, right? Um and like moon languages or moon language and a lot of your work is kind of sit 
right? The X copies are like tailored designed to capture your attention on Twitter, right? They're bright, they're moving. They are using like imagery that isn't obvious at first, but if you focus on it for a second, it kind of all comes into place. Um, and it's very frenetic, right? In that moment, it, it's totally capturing because it's so like sensational in the like sensual sense of the word, not to keep using the word sense, but be sensual. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it is sensual in a way. I, I hope that quote doesn't make it out of this podcast. X copy is sensual, says Museum of Cryptoar's lead writer. Um, it's a sensual texture. It is. I would say that. I'm very textural. My pieces are very textural too, but in the still sense. Like yeah, exactly. Most of them, some of them have tried to become moving and I'm like, I'm not ready. No, I can't have that many moving babies. Like, I don't know. This is me talking to my pieces. Um, is there a, a future for a glitch art for you? Oh, it's, I, they're almost resonances in a way. They're almost like sound, but visual. It's weird. I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, some of them are, are, there's two moon bulbs they're called in unknown origin. Mm -hmm. And those are, were around the beginning when moon language was forming. There's some cool video. There's some that are moving and glowing and that's some of the moon languages are having this and they might be like a special you know, metadata, special rarities that have this. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, it's all forming and there's so many choices and really fun ways I can take it. So it's a lot of like deciding what I really wanted to say, what I really wanted to feel like. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot is going to be said even post. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of uh, possibility for where it's going to show, um, how mm -hmm. it's going to be experienced. How do you capture you know people's attention with very still placid artwork on twitter it's like looking at a still pond during a war zone hey it's but what you... i need i just make what i need so yeah. it's like people seem to like it and i don't know i that's what i like i i i show what i like i can only post if i feel like so excited about it so mm -hmm. that's all i can do because mm -hmm. i can't guess what people want. I don't know. I, I, I'm not the best promoter on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, I don't know, but I do have a voice and there's a lot of things I do bring attention to and want to call out or, or um, bring light to or uh, highlight. You know, there's a lot of uh, elements of my Twitter, at least the way I like to, to show it, is part, of course, expressing the excitement I have with the work I'm working on but also like sharing the love of like the beautiful things going on through friends that I have, or even just like artists that I had just discovered and I want to share. Um, mm. I, I, I fall, I fall very far from anybody who shills um, on, on uh, DMS or anything. Yeah. Like, please don't, I really don't like that. Um, I usually just ignore it because it's, it can be so weird. It's like, no, yeah. I, I just want to post what I like. It's interesting hearing you say that. I, I we just published a piece about uh, making it twenty four seven, the artist collective today, and you know it's really hard. I think without any kind of already formed like idea of community or any kind of network to get a foothold here. And I agree with you, right? I immediately get rid of shilling posts or shilling you know messages that I get in my DMs and such. And I think we're all kind of have this autonomous you know 
um, noxious reaction to being sold anything. But for artists who are just coming into the space who may not have, you know, a wide network or may not have a collector base, you know, the kind of cold calling of their art is, I think, the only like well-trodden path that they can point towards, hoping that someone's going to, you know, see the piece and say, okay, this is undeniable. I have to get this right uh, under any circumstances. So I'm, I'm wondering, for, you know, for both of you, right, if you were an artist coming into the space today, right, you both have been around for a long time and, you know, have the ear of the everyone in in the space, right? And the, you have the discords and you have the telegrams and you have the name recognition and you have the um, already formed relationships with individuals. Like how does the, the lone artist stumbling upon crypto art, minting a, an artwork, how are they supposed to get eyes or attention or how are they supposed to form those relationships? I think is the best way of asking that question. I think the best thing is to find the ones who inspire you, who have a voice that's going to make you feel like, hey, I, I, I agree. You know, I'm, I'm into that. That sounds like where I want to be. Like art that speaks to you will, like usually the art that they share and artists that they know will speak to you too. Uh, so others then that like the type of art that you understand, I don't know, there's something about like, it's almost like an unspoken unspoken energy between artists that's even not even time-based like you mm -hmm. can just super appreciate somebody's art right away not even meeting them and especially if you see all of their work together I really I always go to the websites of new people to see kind of a general idea is like who is this person is it just like one thing that they had an idea of or is it like a whole conversation they've had through their whole life that's mm -hmm. the difference for me that shows me how legit or serious they are um, mm -hmm. and what projects they've done in the past, who they've worked with is always so important, uh, to be able to find who those people, usually there's good advice from people that are legit in those, in those ways. Uh, so usually there's good ways, but I would be wary of course, of anybody that you haven't spoken to before or don't know through somebody else. Yeah. I'm going to echo that. That is, it is just like one by one by finding the people that you resonate with their art because people for the most part aren't they're creating for themselves right and that creation is an extension of that person and if you are resonating with that artwork that you see that is a part of you and that is that is again that is an unspoken connection between these two people and there's so much to go into right and if you have that commonality well then you know, that's one person and then another person. And then it really develops into something more. It develops into care. Like I have, I don't think like there have been so many people that have approached me genuinely that just like want to talk. And I love that because everybody kind of wants to get like lifted up and through and into this ecosystem. And I think we've heard it again and again, like that is the beauty. There is space for everybody here. And there is like, a recognition and there is voice and there is community and people are finding the things that they need uh, because it is so open and friendly and, and welcoming. And, and the more, <clears throat> the more IRL, the more in real life events I've gone to and met the artists that I had been following before it's that unspoken connection is there. Even if you didn't speak before, even if you just know, recognize their art, 
there's something you know about them that many people don't even know because they don't they don't know that about them. You know, it's like mm -hmm. they don't know all those collections they've done or like how many years or what blockchains they've worked on. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like that that meme of the guy being like uh, so and so doesn't know that I'm this. It's like you think of that with mm -hmm. each artist. Like you just know each one and what they've done or what they've talked about on Twitter and what events you've met them in and where that solidifies your experience and uh, mm -hmm. understanding of what people want to do with their lives. It's just a whole bunch of people that really have forward thinking thoughts of how to see things better. How can we do this life better? Um, mm -hmm. Well, it's just so much more personal in person, obviously. You know, if I look back at the first time I reached out to you, Giselle, I'm sure that there'll be a message that says, Hi, Giselle. How are you? My name is Max Cohen. I'm the writer for the Museum of Crypto Art. You know, these very kind of formal, polished forms of communication. And when I get the, the shills in my DMs from artists, it's the same thing. Hi, you know, Mr. So-and-so. My name is this. This is who I am. There's, it's hard to make that connection when you're using office speak. You get mm. someone in person, right? Totally. Um, Copy paste. It's yeah. the way of <laughs> copy pasta. When it's copy pasta. But uh, but uh, but a relevant, poignant copy pasta in a thread where like-minded people would find you funny. That's a great mm -hmm. way to be found. There's mm -hmm. a lot of interesting ways I've found people that way, and I almost repeat find people. And I'm like, oh, I'm already following that one. That one's with the funny remarks, you know. Like yeah. there's some moments you can really liven the scene up uh, by being light in different ways, and people like to see it and like to be part of it and joke in too. The truth, right, is to like make the connections with others and then, you know, go into your artistry or then form a community around your artistry. I think people have it oftentimes wrong. They want the immediate success or the immediate attention on their work. And then they think that like community will form around that, right? It'll follow thereafter. And I think that's like an influencer led um, lie, you know? If you, you know, that collectors are going to inherently, because they have some kind of financial stake in your success, they'll, they'll retweet you, they'll get you into these conversations, they'll get you into these DAOs, right? They'll help shill your art to other people because they want their bags to go up. And it's just such a complete departure from everything I've seen. Like, There's work. probably so much of that. I really, I just run away the opposite. I go to the genuine, <laughs> I don't know, I, I really don't waste time on it. I've seen it so like come and go and I can tell which voices are weird. I don't know. Iffy, you know, I don't know. The ones that like will lead the certain people down the cliff uh, <laughs> yeah. jump like lemmings and uh, you can watch them all jump, but I, I don't know. There's a <laughs> lot of different conversations and a lot of like everybody thinking there's only certain ways to do things and a lot of uh, it's weird because then there's the people that are there for community and then there's the people that are resenting that the community is not always talking to them either. And it's like, wow, I mean, not everybody's able to do that. I mean, I have a family. I have like so many things to like, my art takes so much time <laughs> yeah. like, to be able to, I don't know. There, it's like, I can only access a mental amount, a mental amount of like a certain amount, you know? So that, that can be shared in a, in a positive light, like you can only give so much energy that you can generate yourself and, and the community's there. And there's many people doing such interesting projects that take a whole lot of time and a whole lot of complexity and 
people are being bombarded with DMs of like everybody from everywhere for every project, for every exhibit, for every, I can't believe the amount of emails versus DMs versus like telegrams versus versus Discord versus uh, notions versus like Eventbrite versus like, (laughs) I can go on, you can just keep going. And then we'll have a nice uh, uh, mix. I think Brian Brinkman tweeted the other day about reaching his Discord limit. He had like 200 different Discords. Oh my God. I yeah, I, I've, I'm always on the night. He's on two. He must have a boost because I, I can only do 99 <laughs> and I'm constantly on that. <laughs> it's almost uh, six o'clock. So uh, we should uh, close up shop here. Giselle, any uh, parting thoughts for us? Follow my my Twitter, if you're not on it yet, if you don't know. Um, but Telegram is it's on the pin tweet. It's the second one. It's the second like thread on the pin tweet. You can access my tele- my telegram too. I'm gonna be putting things there for the most part. I'm really digging deep into what I'm doing, so I am less on Twitter, but I am sharing stuff I love still on. Whenever I have something that I'm that I'm working on, I, I do like to share it, but I'm mostly gonna be trying to share it to my telegram. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, join it. And I'm going to be having exhibition on the floor uh, at some point soon. So TBD. I'm really excited to see that. And I'll let you guys know ahead of time. <laughs> Can't wait. Awesome. Coborn, any uh, thoughts to leave us with? Blockchain doesn't lie. No, it does not. And uh, for everyone concerned, the Celtics come back tomorrow versus the Pacers. So uh, stay tuned. Um, Nobody's concerned. Nobody cares about the Celtics except for me. It's okay. I care enough for everyone. Um, there you go. Thank you, Giselle, very much for being here. Thanks, Coborn, as always. And uh, thanks, everyone, for being here. Yeah, we'll catch everyone next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.